And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. 24 to 5, and Luke Smith from Envision Financial Services. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Here we are once again. Friday has rolled around like clockwork. It's like every other day. But today, I'm actually a little bit upset about being in here because... Pound for pound, it's probably the nicest day we've had in three months out there. It's actually looking really nice out there. I went for a walk in the sunshine before, and and guess what? No wind. I left my coat in the office. Ooh, oh, that was exciting. brave. <laughs> I like it. Very brave. You run the gauntlet. Speaking of brave, what does risk really mean, and how mm. do we manage risk? Did you see what I did there? I did. Yes. I did. You were very creative <laughs> on a Friday afternoon. You've had a long week. Um, risk. Yeah, look, yeah. it's... It's, it's, it's the topic of the moment that I think all I want to try and achieve today is to segregate the difference between a structure and what risk actually is. Mm-hmm. And I have had a couple of comments this week where, oh, I don't like super, super's risky. No, super's just a vehicle to hold assets, just what? like a family trust, just like joint names, just mm-hmm. like your own name. Okay. Super is just a vehicle to hold assets. It's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, if somebody says super is risky, I have to wonder where they got that idea from because super is probably one of the safer, more stable places people can put their money. Look, I couldn't agree more. It is one of the most wonderfully tax-effective ways of holding assets, both whilst you're working and in retirement. And I guess I just want to segregate today what is risk Mm -hmm. and separate it from the structure that is super. And I often say to people in the office, if you hold Commonwealth Bank shares, for example, in your own name, in joint names, in a family trust and in a super fund, they are no more or less risky regardless of how they are owned. And I, once I explain something like that, people go, oh, I see what you mean. What people need to be worried about is what have I bought in my super fund or the analogy I use regularly is, how fast are you driving the car? And I think a lot of people misunderstand how fast they're driving their car and assume that they will never have an accident, i.e. a correction, i.e. a GFC, i.e. the impact of COVID that we saw in 2020. So understanding risk is vital because more often than not, someone will come in and say, oh, look, I'm a very conservative investor. And the analogy of driving their car, they're doing 150 in a 100 zone, but don't understand what risk actually is because they've never looked under the hood and seen what they hold. And what we're going to touch on today is some of the key things to consider and look at in your super fund or in your investments and some things to consider that could be good or bad when it comes to actually assessing your level of risk. I have to assume that when people say something like super is risky, they're connecting super with the share market because yes. they assume that the super fund is holding only shares and they've seen the share market be volatile and they say, oh, shares, they're risky. Oh, and super, they invest in shares. That's probably where they get that idea, isn't it? 100%. I think there's that 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 glued association of the underlying investment is part of that vehicle when it actually isn't. And that's why I sort of stressed that at the start, that it's just one way of owning something. In the same vein, I've had people come in with 10 houses and say property's not risky. So it's really interesting to me to gather from somebody, what does risk mean to you? And I think that's what a lot of listeners should keep in mind is risk is important to everyone, but it means different things to different people. And the super fund doesn't only invest in shares. 
Correct. And again, that's where I stress, what do you have and how fast are you driving it? And, and again, if I continue that car analogy, whether it's a Mercedes, a BMW, an Audi or a Commodore, anything doing 180 in a 100 zone that far over a speed limit or a perceived limit can be dangerous. If you get pulled over, you probably can't talk your way out of a ticket. If you hit a tree, you're probably going to die. Now, in the same vein, doing 40 in a 100 zone is also considered dangerous because you're going to annoy a lot of people behind you, you're going to be late getting where you're going, and there's going to be a, a, a potential problem because you're not driving at the speed limit. Now, in that analogy, that's being too defensive. So when we talk about risk, we can't just think too aggressive, too bold, too out there. We also need to remember that being too conservative is also risky because it won't allow you to grow your asset base and offset inflation. You also won't generate the same level of income that you could by having a greater level of diversification. So how do you assess the degree of risk in your super fund? So what I would be doing is I'd be going to the super fund provider and most superannuation providers now will have the various risk profiles that you can choose from and this is an industry fund example to start with. You can go on to your particular industry fund. You can select generally on your balanced option and we'll talk about what balanced is next week but you can pick your option and then there'll be a there'll be a, a, a pie chart there that yeah. looks like a pizza. Yes. And what you want to have a look at is not the label that you're in, balanced, conservative, stable, half stable, half balanced, half growth, whatever they call it. What you want to do is you want to look at the pizza and you want to add up the Australian shares, the international shares, the listed property, the unlisted property and the infrastructure. They're the ones that you want to look for. Now, they will form the growth part of your portfolio. And then similarly, you want to look at the cash component, the fixed interest component, both international and domestic, okay, and add that up. And that will be your defensive percentage. Now, for me, balance is 50-50. 50% growth, 50% defensive. Balance means different things to different funds. And I say, we'll, we'll elaborate on that next week. But understand what you're holding. If you have individual shares or individual managed funds in your super fund, that's great. Have a look at how much the one share makes up of your total portfolio. And if you're running CBA or BHP or any one individual share at a significant percentage, that is bringing in some individual investment risk. Because if Commonwealth Bank fell over... What heavens would, above. Heavens above. <laughs> what would that do to the return in your fund and potentially the value of your assets? So we need to look at risk and say, how fast am I driving the car? What is my total allocation to growth investments? Australian shares, international property, infrastructure. Then we need to look a little bit deeper. You might have a personally managed super fund or a self-managed super fund. We need to look and say, I've got asset A, B and C what percentage of that asset is of my total wealth in that vehicle? Because individual asset risk can be very, very important because if any one individual share comes under pressure, your total value could fall significantly. So be aware of your broader asset allocation, but also then at the same time, be mindful of your individual exposures, whether it's an ETF, 
a listed share or a managed fund. When you're talking about industry, <coughs> pardon me, talking about industry funds just a moment ago, yeah. they're the ones that we all know that we see them advertising on TV. We, yeah. we, the, we're most likely, if we're in a regular employment uh, full-time with a company somewhere, yeah. we're in one of those funds most likely. Yeah. So those funds generally, they pick the shares and investments for you, don't, you, don't they? Uh, so they do. So all you really get to do is look at what options they have. And so... How That's do right. we how do we analyze the options that they're offering to us? So what you would do is as I, as I noted before you would look at what your risk profile option is and say if I'm balanced I'm high growth conservative but actually look at the pizza mm-hmm. and work out what percentage of my total investments is in that growth bracket and is that appropriate for me? Now there's a bit of work to go into understanding risk and working out what you like but if you say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm middle of the road, I'm relatively conservative, you know, I'm not a risk taker, all these sort of explanations that I get from people. If you then sit down and work out that you've got 80% assets that are growth orientated in your fund, you're probably in the wrong risk profile for how you feel about risk. Because it's not, is that good or is it bad? It's more, is it appropriate or inappropriate for me Mm -hmm. and that's where people need to look and say what percentage is the international portion if it's 40 percent 35 to 40 percent that's on the more aggressive end of the scale right if you're running australian shares in your portfolio over 30 percent you could argue that that is of a more aggressive nature so you need to understand what is the percentage exposure for the generic option that I've chosen in that industry fund example. So if you're running a self-managed super fund, essentially you're still making the same decisions, but you've got more direct hands-on control over which investments you make. Exactly right. And that's where that second layer of analysis may come from, where I have a self-managed super fund with a million dollars in it, and I have 25 different shares in that portfolio. And again, you'll look at it with the same umbrella terminology. What's my total allocation of growth assets? Then you might delve a little deeper and say, what are my Australian shares? And you might have, I've got four of the banks and they make up 30% of my portfolio. Now, we could be looking at some individual asset risk there. So you may want to diversify out of banking and into other Australian-based companies. So whilst we look at the individual sector, we then need to delve into it and say, okay, I like apples. I've got six green apples. What if I had two yellow ones, two green ones, two red ones, and we find a worm that only likes green apples? Mm -hmm. We want to be able to try and diversify within sectors to limit the downside pressure that we could see if valuations came under pressure. So in other words, um, if I've only got four shares and they're all in the big banks and then there's some financial crisis and all the banks go down – I'm going to suffer no matter what because there's nothing to – Spot like, on. Exactly. Whereas if I had a bank, a miner, a manufacturer, a property uh, developer, that way while the bank's going down, the others might be going up. Exactly right. Banking Royal Commission, great example. Mm. Nothing fundamentally wrong with the banks but everybody boo-hooed them, got all emotional and upset and whilst the Banking Royal Commission was on the telly every day, their share price came under significant pressure. Now, if all you hold in your super fund – four bank shares, then you would have seen the value of your total asset base fall significantly. Now, the other thing about risk 
is that conventional wisdom tends to suggest that people should or perhaps choose to have a greater appetite for risk when they're younger and as they get older they become more conservative and therefore adopt a more defensive investment strategy is mm-hmm. that generally speaking good advice I'd, I'd leap to no and the reason i leap to no is another factor that, that, that impacts your level of risk is time now, I believe everybody has a lot of time. Another misconception I see regularly is, well, I'm about to retire, I need to be more conservative because people, for some reason, tie their risk profile to their working time frame. And I say to them, so you don't need good, strong income in retirement? And they say, yes, I do. And you don't need capital growth to offset inflation? And they say, yes, I do. I said, so what does your risk profile have to do with you retiring? I believe your risk profile ends when you die. Because those two things, good strong income and growth to offset inflation, is when I ask people what are their key things they want to achieve in the next 20 years, those two things leap out of their mouth because they want to be able to generate income to fund pensions and growth to offset inflation. Now, if you have too many defensive assets, we know cash and term deposits don't grow. And for the last 10 years, they paid you nothing. Yeah. Now we're getting rewarded a little bit more for our defensive assets like cash and term deposits because interest rates have gone up. So it's good for that argument. It's not good for mortgage holders, but it's good for yeah. that side of the, the the investment window. So I think people need to maintain a risk profile that can help them achieve their objectives at a level that they are comfortable with. And that's why I want people to be able to just look at what you really hold because time is a factor that impacts risk. The individual assets that you hold can impact risk. And we said earlier that super funds tie or people tie super funds to to the underlying investment. Buying shares in CBA, people say, oh, shares are risky. A share in Commonwealth Bank is far different from a risk perspective to a diamond mine in Uganda. Much different. But they both fall under that umbrella of shares. They do. So I guess people just need to look and understand what do you hold, why do you hold it, and what is the allocation that you have as a starting point to manage risk. Luke Smith from Envision Financial is with me in the studio this afternoon. We're talking about what does risk really mean and how can you manage it. It's nine minutes to five. Back with more in just a moment. Six minutes to five. It's a Friday afternoon. So that means that Luke Smith from Envision Financial is with me in the studio to talk money matters. And today we've been addressing this very simple question, what is risk and how can we manage it? Well, Mm. Luke, I think we've figured out that risk means what's the likelihood of uh, not getting the best results out of our investment? So I guess the question of how do we manage it is, you know, how do we ensure that we do get the best results? Yeah, look, and I think the old adage of, you know, not too many eggs in too many baskets is very applicable. Um, It's stood the dawn of time, and I think it it will be good for another 50 to 100 years. But don't, as we said before the ad break, don't go too hard in any one individual asset. No matter how much you might love BHP or one of these, that's great. But just remember that nothing's immune from coming under pressure. And we saw that through COVID. We saw that through the Banking Royal Commission. We saw that through the GFC. And if we move into a more recessionary-like or into a, a, a full-blown recession, we're going to see things come under value and different sectors will react differently. Maintain good allocations to different sectors as we touched on before the ad break, what's my weighting to growth? What's my weighting to defensive? And what are the individual sector weightings? So have a look at those. If there are some really large numbers there, you need to check because some funds will run 40 to 45% in any one individual sector. Now, that is significant. Now, it's not whether it's good or bad. 
That's irrelevant. It's how does it affect me and how do I feel? So it's not about saying, is it appropriate or not for everybody? Because it will be for some people because everybody feels different about risk. So have a look at the individual asset allocation or the percentage of the individual pieces of your pizza on your respective super funds website. Consider the time frame that you're going to hold your assets. If you're going to buy something specific and you're using it over a shorter time frame, you are generally bringing in more potential risk. If you're going to buy something and hold it for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, then you can have some ups and downs, but you have the time to recover from anything that is of a more negative nature. So time is important. The structure is important. The allocation or the percentage of the individual asset is important. But then also look and say, if I have six green apples, that's not really diversified because all you've got is six of the same thing. So look at individual sectors, the underlying investments in those sectors. Do I have a lot of banks? Do I have a lot of resources? Do I have a lot of property? Try and get a suitable level of diversification and use potentially something like an ETF or an exchange traded fund because that's a very good way to get a very broad level of diversification in individual sectors that are very, very cost effective. So use those. They are very, very good. They are very, very efficient and they're great for diversification to lower your risk to any one particular asset. Yeah, an exchange traded fund is exactly what it sounds like in the name. It's a fund where many, many people have uh, pooled their funds to uh, buy a portfolio of shares and it is listed on the exchange so it's very simple to buy a piece of the action. It is and you can pick a specific uh, a specific exposure to an area of the market be it international be it Australian be it property. So you can you have a lot of control over what they hold and again very cost effective. And then if you want to mitigate risk dollar cost average buy over time in individual intervals. So you might not throw all your money in today you might throw half your money in today and then stagger the rest in every month for the next six months so that if things do go up and down you're buying at different intervals so that if things get weaker you can get more bang for your buck and you haven't rolled all your dice at once you can buy things on weakness and add into what you already hold so luke it's time to ask where can listeners get more information yeah look office number is still six two six zero four seven four nine we've got envisionfinancial.com.au on the internet We have the podcast, The Strategy Stacker, Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify. We have Envision Financial Canberra on YouTube. We have The Strategy Stacker on the Tiki Talker. And it's all in Smart Money Strategy, your ultimate guide to financial planning. There's an entire chapter on risk, diversification, and ways that you can mitigate individual risk and maintain a suitable level of assets over the longer term. We'll catch you next Friday. See you next week.